0: Welcome to Literacy Matters, Empowered Conversations, a production of Learning Without Tears. I'm your host, Dr. Cheryl Lundy-Swift, with your go-to monthly podcast, where we dive into important literacy topics, get practical tips, and listen to inspiring stories from experts in the field. Joining me today is one of my favorites, Tim Shinahan. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the show.
1: How are you doing, Cheryl? Thanks for having me.
0: Great, thanks for being here. Uh, Tim is a distinguished professor emeritus at the University of Illinois at Chicago, where he was founding director of the UIC Center for Literacy. Previously, he was director of reading for the Chicago Public Schools. He has authored more than 200 publications on literacy education, many of which I have read. (laughs) His research emphasizes the connections between reading and writing, literacy in the disciplines, and improvement of reading and achievement. Today, we will discuss teaching reading with grade-level texts. So, Tim, let's get to it. Why exactly is it so important for teachers today to teach reading with grade-level texts?
1: Well, you know, there are really several reasons for this. Um, Historically, teachers have been told not to do that, uh, to only do that with kids who are on level. If if kids are behind, uh, you're supposed to drop back and teach them with uh you know the the text at their level. So if you're a 4th grade teacher, and you have a, you know some child in your class who reads at a 2nd grade level according to the tests, you're supposed to stick that child in a 2nd grade book, uh, which raises the question of course, is when does that child ever get to read the 4th grade book? When will they learn the 4th grade curriculum? It, it's uh it's something that for some reason people didn't seem to ask very much over all the decades that we've done it this way. So that child gets, let's say the child is hugely successful and learns what he or she has taught that year. Uh, by the end of the year, that child should be ready for a third grade book when they go to fifth grade. Right. Uh, what happens when they leave high school? Uh, you know, we're guaranteeing that that child is going to be at a a much lower level than their classmates. And in fact, that is exactly what we see. We see uh, children who are graduating from our high schools who are reading at levels that frankly, won't allow them to get into the military, Mm. won't allow them to get a, a paying job that they could actually live on, and doesn't allow them to succeed with the kinds of textbooks that colleges use in their freshman year. Uh, So we've got to find ways of accelerating literacy. And when we look, this idea of the reading level uh, is something that for first 50 years of the 20th century, say from about 1910 to about 1950, it seemed like every school district in the country came up with a special plan of how they were going to group kids and test kids (laughs) and combine kids and the the scheme that ended up being the popular one uh, was you you give kids an informal reading inventory you figure out which level of book the youngster can read comfortably right now and comfortably uh in that in in those claims was uh, the kids would read with 95 percent accuracy which would mean they wouldn't make more than five oral reading mistakes for 100 words that they were reading And they would be able to read that text at, say, about a 75% comprehension level, 75 to 89%. Which, actually, if you think about it, that's pretty good reading. Uh, Essentially, (laughs) uh, what teachers were being told is you can only teach reading with books the kids can already read. Right. But think about that, if you can already read it, why do I need to teach that to you? <laughs> it seems rude. Um, uh, uh, you know, I, I often hear that it's described as mansplaining uh, <laughs> by some of my, my women colleagues. <laughs> and so uh, people in the last couple of decades actually started doing research on this. Uh, and what we've been seeing from the research is if you're teaching kids with grade level text, if you're teaching kids with text that, frankly, for a lot of our kids is at their frustration level, according to those numbers that they came up with in the 1940s, frankly, kids either learn just as well, or they learn better. Right. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I honestly think if we taught teachers how to deal with uh, help kids deal with this this more complex text they'd all do better with it um, and there are a few other reasons uh, certainly one of the things that we've known for a very long time is the whole grouping scheme within classrooms where you have the really good readers and the average readers yeah. and the really low readers has been terribly discriminatory to that bottom group you know we yeah. segregate them off and what the sociological research says there is that it does real harm to those kids. That it 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 uh, it gives them kind of a a, a a double penalty. You know, one they're not getting the opportunity to learn the same things the other kids are, That's right. and uh, they're also uh, really being treated badly in some ways that that has you know larger effects. And that especially seems to affect minority kids. For the surprising reason that those are always the almost always the kids who get stuck in that group, yeah. Um, so uh, we want to avoid that. Another issue that's uh, hot these days is folks are very concerned about the knowledge that boys and girls get, mm. um, and, and so the notion of I'm going to not just keep you in easy reading materials if you're a low reader. But I'm going to also make sure that you're not being exposed to the same content that the other kids are, and certainly not the same depth or level of that content. So there are lots of reasons why we need to be trying to get as many kids uh, taught at grade level as possible. And uh, our excuses in the past that, well, they can't read at that level yet. That's why we teach them. Uh, and so yeah. we want to put those kids in grade level text and we want to teach them at those grade levels, which requires some adjustments to how we do business.
0: You know, it, it, Tim, so yeah, you mentioned an equity issue, a knowledge gap <laughs> issue. Like, There's so many things that really go into making sure that we're teaching grade level text. I, I wonder though, if it's any different when you're working with beginning readers or older readers.
1: I'm really happy to ask that because it The research that we have on this really goes second grade through 12th grade. Hmm. We don't have research on beginning readers with this. And there are some reasons to believe uh, that it might be a bad idea. Um, That beginning readers really do need it to be easy text to be easy in most terms. The thing that makes beginning reading text hard is the decoding. Yeah. Uh, the kids have trouble reading the words, uh, and, and we want them to uh, learn uh, how to decode how to, uh, you know, turn, turn those uh, uh, printed word symbols into language and and doing that means that kids have to see some words over and over again, they need to see some spelling patterns over and over again so you get into yeah. these issues of decodability and uh, repetition. Um, and so we really want to make sure that kids are are seeing uh, that kind of repetition and that kind of decodability initially, which means it, you don't want kids uh, in text where it's hard to figure that aspect of text out. And, and right. so I think the safest thing to do would be to teach young readers with texts that they're going to find easy, with the exception of the decodability. And that, of course, is what we're teaching them to handle at at those levels. Uh, In in a way, Cheryl, I think what we actually did is we took something that was a really good idea for kids (laughs) at the very beginning, and we said, why don't we just teach everybody like they're in kindergarten, first grade, (laughs) (laughs) which is a really bad idea. Indeed it is. The better thing is, let's teach everybody at their level. But there's this exception of the beginners, where we want to control that text difficulty. Um, I was a first grade teacher, and I was a first grade teacher at a time when kindergartens didn't teach reading, and and so you know I was really taking kids from not being able to read to usually around Christmas time or so they could read. Yeah, and you know I, we had thirty some kids in a classroom it wasn't like, you know, everybody on November 1st could read and now we just kept going. It would be some kids could read by October 1st, some kids could read by November 1st. It kind of goes on all year long like that. So the notion of taking some youngster who can't read at all and just throwing them in a text because some of the other kids in the class can read, that makes no sense. Uh, (laughs) Maybe research someday will change my mind on this, but I think, uh, Please, anyone who's watching this, listening to this, do not put uh, beginners in grade level text just because Tim Shanahan said. So, put them in text that they're going to be able to read reasonably easily and that will give them a chance to learn those words and that decoding. So, that's
0: awesome. (laughs) You know, so here's what I have to say I know teachers now are, their ears are perking up. (laughs) They (laughs) want to know well, what, what exactly can I do? What do I need to think about? When selecting a text and planning an actual reading lesson,
1: yeah, I, you know, I, I, a lot of teachers um, think, well, if you if you do what I'm saying, then it, it you just ignore the distance between the kids and the text, and you, you can't do that. That's not smart, right? And so, you know, I guess the first thing you do is is you you don't uh, pick the text on the basis of its readability, but you'd like to know its readability. Uh, yeah. I want to know how much help a particular child is going to need to read this text. And so if I'm a third grade teacher, I'm working with a third grade textbook. I've checked to make sure it really is third grade level. Uh, you know, the publisher's given me the information. I'm I'm upset with that. But now I've got this youngster who's a year behind. Right. I want to know, oh, look, This the book is at third grade. He's at second grade. He's going to need more help than his classmate who's reading at a third grade level. And and so that's the first thing I want to know. At that point, usually people get right into, oh, you know, what skill do I want to teach? I'm going to go a different way and say, given that this is the text I want to teach, not the skill, the text, I want to go through this text. I want to read this text. And I want to look to see what do I think is potentially confusing to kids? What might trip them up? What might be difficult for them to understand? It's a whole different mindset. I'm, I'm making the text the center of my instruction, not, oh, we're going to teach main idea today, or, oh, I want the kids to learn this list of six words. No, I want to know, we're going to guide this kid to read this text. What's mm-hmm. going to get in the way? And, and you're not always going to get that right. It, you're, right. You're, you're not always going to know but there are a whole bunch of things that can really mess you up. Um, One is uh, depending on the distance between the kid and the text, it might be a decoding issue. You might think some are going to really have trouble reading the words. In other cases, you might go, wow, I, I know the publisher wants me to teach these six words, but I'm looking at page three here. And I think the kid isn't going to know this word and that's going to get in his way mm. or well, I don't know about the words, the words aren't that hard, but this is a very complicated long sentence that I think is going to get in the way uh, or it's getting confusing. I can't track who, you know, they keep using he and his and him and them and I don't know who everybody is. I, I got to track. Gee, they started out talking about Jimmy and, and then they brought in Tyrell and, and I'm getting, confi- you know, how can I map that through? And you go through like that, kind of figuring out, sussing it out, what's going to be the problem, and then <laughs> next thing is, I want to know what you're going to do about that. Uh-huh. Uh, you know. So what I suggest that people do is a very different kind of questioning routine than you usually come up with. You know, usually, it's uh, oh, we want an inference question, and we want a you know a question where the youngster can say all these kinds of things. What I want to know is if I want to know if you're right. You know, you've predicted that the kids are going to get tripped, tripped up by a particular vocabulary word. Mm. What aren't they going to understand about the text because of that vocabulary word? Don't go in and ask the kids, "Did you know this word?" Go in and ask them the question that you wanted. You know, what's going to trip them up? Ask a question about that. Yeah. A question that will allow you to see. Yeah, they didn't get it, or yeah. Gee, they did get it. That's really interesting. Let's talk about that word. <laughs> yeah. And so, what what you want your questions to do is to reveal what kids aren't getting, where they're getting tripped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I want to know. And because I want to know that, what that means is if if it turns out that I'm right. Gee, you didn't, you couldn't make sense of that that part of the text because you didn't know the meaning of that word. The word was reluctant. You didn't know what it meant. That means you didn't know how that child felt. You didn't understand why he was doing what he was doing in the next page, and it it messed up your comprehension. So I'm not going to ask about reluctant. I'm going to ask about why he did this particular thing. Right. And the youngster's said, well, you know, I don't know. Or, missed it didn't get it that's cool let's go back to that sentence now as a group let's read it let's take a look at you know what you didn't understand there and we'll fix it and then we'll go on from there and we you know you do that all the way through the text and and sometimes it's those things you predicted and sometimes other things become apparent to you that they don't understand and you're just going to have to respond to that you're going to have to adjust and but the point is always we want the youngster to succeed with the text. They've got to do well with this, but they're going to do well because of my support. They're going to do well because I'm going to make sure wherever they trip, I'm going to get them through that part of it, uh, not just by telling them, but that uh, showing them how to deal with it. Yes. So I might yeah. show them how to break down a sentence. I might show them how to use context to figure out that word. I might show them, I, maybe I've decided this text is really too hard. We're going to do some fluency work, and then we're going to come back to reading it for comprehension. I mean, yeah. I have a lot of tools at, you know, at my disposal. Yeah. Um, the the old way of thinking of it, we have to avoid all error because we don't have anything to do if a kid gets it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Here I'm saying, man, there are so many things we can do to help. But we have to know what they're getting wrong. And and so that might, you know, there are all kinds of things you might do to manage that kind of a group. But the basic idea is set it up uh, so the text is in the center, set it up so your questions uh, expose what kids aren't understanding. And when they're not understanding something, it doesn't just tell them, take them back to the text and guide them to figure it out, show them how. Mm
0: Sure, that data is so incredibly important to gather so that you can make some more important decisions. But you know, when I think about planning a lesson, right, <laughs> and you and you right. plan it, you have a well-planned lesson that you're facilitating, and then you find out in the midst of your lesson that students are not quite getting it. What do you recommend to teachers? Uh,
1: you know it. The the key to it is is always trying to figure out what gets in what's blocking them. And so you know, I've had them. I, I had them read three pages, and I asked a few questions. And like you say, oh my goodness, I thought they were going to make a couple of specific mistakes. They're just lost. They don't get it at <laughs> all. They don't even seem to know what this is about. Right. Um, what am I going to do? You know, that's a worst case scenario. Um, I'm gonna take them back and say, let's take this in pieces. You know, we read three pages. You really struggled with that. Why don't we try, just, let's just read the first paragraph. I want you to read the first paragraph and I'm gonna ask, ask you some questions. Let's see if we can figure out that first paragraph. And we're literally going to break it down and, and go through it with the idea that I have to figure out what happened here. And sometimes what you're gonna find out, I, this happened to me not too long ago, I was working with a group of middle school kids. And I've got a whole group of teachers watching my lesson and the principal of the school. And I've got this two classes of middle school kids put together. I'm not even sure I like working with one class of middle school kids, but (laughs) two is really fun, especially when you're being observed. And I had the, you know, I asked the kids to read like two pages. And then when they were done, I, you know, I started asking questions. they're making up answers. They clearly, these kids just blew it off. They didn't read it. It wasn't even a case that they read it badly. They were just, we're not going to cooperate. Sure. And I explained to them that, uh, you know, they had embarrassed themselves and embarrassed me a bit. And I wanted them to go back and read it again. And we're going to give this another try. And, And it was a whole different game. And boy, at the end of it, the number of teachers who either took me aside right then or later in the day when I was going around the school, oh, I'm so glad you did that. I'm so glad you made <laughs> <do> it. <again. laughs> you know? Yeah, And the kids were kind of shocked. Clearly they played this game with other teachers and it got them out of something or they did. So there was a case of, we're just going to do it again. I want to see what you can actually do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not trying to hurt their feelings or, oh, this will show them. Uh, you know, I can't teach you unless you read this and I need you to read this. And let's not, mess around this time and and boy it was a whole different game yeah. <laughs> so so this notion of kids are lessons can go bad all kinds of ways you have to remember your your job on this one is to teach kids to make sense of this text and so always think of you can cut it down to a, a piece of text that is, is small enough that the kids can scale it, and that you can see what's going on. And of course, sometimes that is what the problem is. The kids can't, they can read, but they wear out after a page. You ask three pages, they fell apart after the first page and just gave it up, and, and now we're giving you nonsense answers. Uh, gee, I, I, I'll cut it back to a page, <laughs> and then next time it'll be a page in another paragraph. And then sure. it might be a page and two paragraphs and then it might be three, you know, two pages and so on. We teach kids those things. We build that kind of stamina. It, that isn't just, oh, well, I'll just tell them four pages because I want to be done with this. Uh, now you have to build stamina and that's part of what we teach. And so break it down and then get kids back into it and then figure out if, well, if anything's still going wrong and if it is, what in the heck is it?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So so as we close, Tim, if you could just say one thing to empower our teachers and school leaders. What would that one thing be?
1: I don't know if I can ever say one thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you and I have that same problem.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> one thing is the only the way I'll say it is this. What teachers need to remember, what principals need to remember is there are only three things that people have ever found to raise academic achievement, whether it's reading or anything else. There's three things. Uh, One, the amount of time that's expended on. How much time do you put into this? Uh, You know, in my schools in Chicago, I mandated uh, two to three hours a day of reading and writing instruction. It's not a set times, two to three hours, because some schools need more than others. But time matters and how we use that time matters. So that's one issue. The second one is you have to teach the right things. Uh, In in reading, uh, people do a lot of things that they just like the activity or that, you know, somebody told them it was good and therefore and so it makes your job easier. I'm going to let the kids go read on their own for a half an hour because that teaches motivation, supposedly. And now I'm going to read a text to them for another 20 minutes. Heck, my, half my reading period's over already and I haven't had to teach anything. The things that make a difference in reading, word knowledge, which includes both the, the decoding aspects of that, phonemic awareness and phonics and those high-frequency words and spelling, that kind of stuff, but the other end of it to the meaning part vocabulary and morphology uh we need time put into that text reading fluency can kids actually read the words in text and and make it sound like english and and you know put the pauses in the right place and go at a, a speed that allows them to understand the third one is comprehension or learning from text fourth one is is writing uh Those are the things that if you teach, there's a real payoff in overall literacy achievement. If you teach other things, not so much happens. So time matters, what you teach matters. And the third one is teaching quality. This notion of teaching kids from the right books is really a teaching quality issue. Mm. If you have two teachers and one is going to teach her fourth graders with third grade books, and the other one's going to teach her kids with with fourth grade books, and they're both going to teach the same lessons, and they're going to spend the same amount of time, my expectation is the kids in the fourth grade class, the kids working with those fourth grade books are going to do better uh, if the teacher's supporting them. And so you've got amount of instruction, teaching those things that are essential, the the, the curriculum, the content, and and doing it in the ways that are, are the most efficient or the most effective, the most powerful Uh, Those are what you have to work with. Those are what we always have to be juggling. It's one thing that you have to juggle those three things, but that's what instruction is like. So I always make sure my teacher set aside time for word instruction and fluency instruction and comprehension instruction and writing instruction. The comprehension instruction, a lot of it's going to focus on the kinds of things you've been asking me about. But frankly, the word knowledge, work and the fluency work and the writing work can all be connected to that. They could be connected to that central text in the same way. Word knowledge, maybe we're gonna do morphology work with some of the the words in that text. Maybe we're gonna learn some of the vocabulary from that text. The fluency will practice with that text. The the writing will write about the content in that text. So this doesn't have to be four random lessons. It can all be kind of connected, but if teachers have that in their head that time matters, what you teach matters, and how you deliver it matters, and, and they're always struggling to make sure all of those are at the maximum, we'll have a lot less reading problems than we have now.
0: Wow, such sage advice from one of my favorite literacy specialists um it's you know it's it's really uh i i I believe these are practical things that people can put into practice tim it's been a real joy like honestly to just be able to be with you today and to learn from you as i always do on saturdays when you send out your
1: blogs (laughs) thank you so much back at you cheryl i
0: appreciate it (laughs) thank you Thank you for listening to Literacy Matters Empowered Conversations. If you like this show and want more, visit our site at lwtears.com forward slash literacy matters, where you can watch video versions of each and every episode. Don't forget to tap the follow button so you don't miss an episode. Also, please help spread the word and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or your platform of choice. Your support is what keeps this literacy journey going.